0: Welcome to the Truth About College Admission Podcast. My name is Rick Clark. I'm the AVP and Executive Director of Undergraduate Admission at
1: Georgia Tech. And I am Brennan Barnard. I'm the Director of College Counseling at the Con Lab School. And we are thrilled to introduce you to this podcast today with Angel Perez, who's the CEO of the National Association for College Admission Counseling, our professional organization. And we had just a great conversation with him. And he talks a lot about joy and focusing on joy and really prioritizing that idea of embracing the things you love and being able to say no to the things that you don't necessarily need to. Even even some of the things you love, right? Like just being able to say, you know what, that's going to push me over the edge in terms of what's on my plate. And so... It might bring me joy, but these other things are going to be a priority.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, that self-awareness, I mean, he even acknowledges like it's a work in progress and he's been learning that and continues to learn that I think as we all do. I think for parents, especially this idea of listening for that is, as you said, and thinking like, what are those things that my son or daughter like really does love to do? And then what are the things where I can even help and see that that may not be either necessary or beneficial or something that's really contributing. I think for me, one of the things that stuck out was, I mean, just the article that we asked him about, which is in the show notes. And, Mm. you know, he talks about this idea of taking on this big job, having always been able to do whatever Was asked of him, whether it be getting his PhD or being a VP of enrollment at a major university and like running out of gas and just being willing to write the article to begin with. And then certainly to come on with you and I and talk about it a little bit more, but just how that takes courage and a willingness to be open and transparent and vulnerable. But like you'll hear him talk about how many people have reached out to Mm -hmm. sort of say, man, thank you. And this resonated. And so I guess I kind of hope that. Whether it be a student, a professional, a parent, we all have this, you know, experience, and and we just need to kind of normalize it and be bold and kind of courageous the way he was to just say it or to, again, be willing in whatever medium you're comfortable with or whatever platform you have to acknowledge something that we all struggle with at times.
1: Right. And and for students, especially, right, as they think of applying to college, being able to, to say, I'm imperfect, right? We are all flawed and not trying to represent that as anything different.
0: Yeah. And obviously you work with students on the high school side and I read what they write on, on the college side, but students just being reminded like, the people reading these are deeply flawed too, highly imperfect. They're not these judges sitting on high that are expecting that perfection. And I think that that's also important is that admission folks extend a lot of grace. They live imperfect lives they're not expecting what I think a lot of kids think, and that is like this kind of glossy, perfect presentation of themselves,
1: so. Yeah, they're college counselors on the other hand, we are perfect, right? (laughs) Right. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Oh man, well, listen, with no further ado, here is our conversation with our good friend and colleague, the CEO of NACAC,
1: Angel Perez. Today we are joined by our friend and colleague, Angel Perez. Who is the CEO of the National Association for College Admission Counseling, or NACAC? Thanks for being with us. Good to be here, Angel. We're hoping you could tell listeners a bit about you, your professional background, and uh, also the mission of NACAC. Sure.
2: So I spent most of my career in higher education in college admissions, most recently as a chief enrollment officer and then moved about two and a half years ago to NACAC. And our mission is to empower college admission counseling professionals through education and advocacy. So we are a community of over 27,000 people who are admissions counselors and high school counselors, anyone who is helping support young people through the college admission process.
1: Well, we are lucky to have you
0: at
2: the helm. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's interesting to look back just the last couple of years. I mean, you and I were on that committee for the future of leadership in college admission, and that turned into a white paper for me and a job for you. (laughs) It kind of worked out. It worked out. (laughs) Oh, man. But no, you have been doing a phenomenal job, and I know you're struggling right now with your voice. So we appreciate you taking some time to be with us. And I think it's just reflective of how much you pour into this and how, as Brendan said, thankful we are for you, your experience and expertise and also just your passion. So that really leads me into my first question. You wrote an article recently about burnout and talking about being a CEO. And it really did resonate with me. I felt like it was honest, it was candid. And, you know, you did a great job kind of articulating what you had been through. i just kind of curious, like, what motivated you to write it? And what are some of your takeaways? And really, like, why did you choose to be so vulnerable and share
2: that story? Thanks for asking that. And thank you both for providing this important platform. You know, I decided to write the article about burnout because I had gone through a pretty significant experience last year. And. And Over the holidays, when I finally had some time to think and reflect on what had happened, I thought, gosh, I can't imagine I am the only person who is going through this experience. And I am sure that plenty of people are suffering silently, but they're not allowed to talk about it or they feel like it's a taboo subject. And so the other thing that I've been thinking a lot about lately, and Rick, I think you and I have had this conversation that I do not take for granted that as the CEO of NACAC, I've been given this extraordinary platform and a microphone and I just want to use it for good. And so I thought... But if I could help one person by writing about my experience with burnout and what that was like, then it's worth it. I will tell you that I have heard from hundreds and hundreds of people since I published the article. And so it's been really heartwarming to see the impact. And, you know, yesterday I had a conversation with a colleague, another CEO who said that as a result of the article, she decided to go back to therapy. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's just extraordinary the kind of impact that a few words on a piece of paper can actually have. Wow, that's amazing. So
0: one of the things that you talked about in the article was you talked about yourself as the energizer bunny and how you had always had enough. You had always been able to kind of rise to the occasion. People talked about you as someone who was engaged and active and capable of doing these things. I guess what I'm wondering is like when I'm thinking about students and I'm reading their essays and hearing their stories, I feel like there's this rub for students where they feel like they either need to continue to hold up what they've always been, or they kind of overly lean into this idea that they're no longer what people know them as or what they had been in the past. I guess I'm just kind of wondering what advice you have to students, like how can that extrapolate out to them writing and approaching some of the questions they're going to get in the admission process around interviews, essays, short answer questions, that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, I will say, you know, my advice to students around the topic you just mentioned is just a reminder that we are constantly evolving. You know, as we live our lives, we are constantly transforming. I read something recently that said when we live our lives, we've probably led six to 10 different lives because as we mature, lots of things about us change, right? And so I think students should feel comfortable knowing that they are going to evolve, that it's okay to evolve. It's okay to change your mind. It's okay to change the way you approach particular issues. And I would say from a college admission counseling perspective that the world has changed so drastically that I think one of the things that I've been inspired by and honestly inspired me to write the article as well is that we have brought mental health out of the closet and we have finally moved society, even though we have some work to do, but we are moving in the direction of getting rid of this notion that people are perfect, that people our energizer bunnies without fatiguing at some point that we are human. And I think, you know, and Rick, you read applications, so you tell me if this is true. But I know when I read applications, I was always inspired when people brought their authentic selves and talked about their struggles and most importantly, what they learned from those experiences, Mm -hmm. right? I'm someone who really believes that when you struggle, there's something on the other side and it's called growth. And so if you could position your essays and those kinds of thought processes around your struggles and also how you've grown as a result. I think it's a win, not just for you, but also for the institution you're applying to.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with that. I also think that lesson translates to sometimes students, I feel like when they are looking to someone to write for them, they lean into somebody that like they've done really well in their class or, you know, whatever. Sometimes the best additional voices for students are those who can talk about their growth, who can talk about their evolution along the way. And so I think your point and some of the things that you're hitting on here like, are very applicable to students as they consider what they write about, how they write, as well as who writes and advocates for them.
1: Well, and there's also a lot of... Achievement pressure, right? For students and for parents looking at the things their students do. So how do they think about adding more activities and balancing that with a job and all these other pieces? How should they think about presenting the right application and profile, but also finding that balance?
2: Yeah, I think it's a tough question that, by the way, not just students struggle with, I think adults struggle with. I mean, a a big part of what I wrote about in my article about burnout really had to do with the fact that particularly when you are a leader. And I might say, you know, whether you're a student leader on a high school campus or whether you're a leader in college admissions or whether you run NACAC, like there is an expectation that you will always do more. There is an expectation that you will take on more. And I think, again, what, what I intended with my article is to really begin to shift that narrative because sometimes the best thing you could do is actually do less. Sometimes the best thing you can do is actually say no. I actually suffered for years from what Oprah Winfrey calls the disease to please. And I would say yes to everything and every speaking engagement. I can't say I've fully recovered from Mm -hmm. the disease to please, but I'm, I'm getting there. So I would advise students to really think strategically about as you choose activities, as you are thinking about what buffet of options you are going to take for your college applications, to choose things that bring you joy, to choose things that are not just there because you think it's what, you know, the head of admissions at Georgia Tech wants to read. <laughs> My guess is what the head of admissions at Georgia Tech wants to read is what brings you joy and what brings you meaning and purpose. And so, I think the future is not about how many extracurricular activities we can mount on an application, but rather how meaningful are those experiences for you. And if you do it that way, it's a win for you and it's a win for the institution.
0: Yeah, I was going to call that out as well, the sub title of your kind of close on that article was finding joy again mm-hmm. and just how important and again this concept of evolution right and self-discovery done right that is what the college admission experience should be yes. not just finding yes. where you're gonna go but like truly who you are and what you want to do wherever you end up I just kind of wonder what your insights might be there for students and also just in your own life and you know obviously professionals listening to this parents as well like advice perspective on that. Yeah,
2: I love that you brought this up because it's interesting. I even use the word joy a lot more these days <laughs> because of the journey that I went through last year because one of the biggest discoveries I made in my what I call awakening over the the past year was I love my job. I am all in and work many many hours, but what I've realized is that when you do not couple that with things that bring you joy outside of work, burnout and mild depression is around the corner. Mm-hmm. You can deny it For a really long time, but you need other things in your life. And I worry about young people. I worked with high school students and college students my whole career, and I saw that in them as early as 14, 15, 16, 17, that sure, you want to take as many of those college prep courses as possible. You want to be the president of X Club. You want to do this, but you've never stepped back to ask yourself, what does it mean to live a full life? And as I get older, I'm starting to realize that a full life is finding work that is meaningful and purposeful, but also that you have to do some inner reflection about what are some of the things that I enjoy doing outside of work that bring me happiness. And that's different for a lot of different people, but I think the college admissions process can actually help you get there, especially Mm -hmm. as some of those essay prompts are gonna get you there. But also, again, as you're deciding what are the activities that I'm going to engage in that are going to be meaningful for me. So I always feel like if students and families center that as the conversation, they are going to do well, not just in the college admission process, but setting themselves up for life.
1: I agree. And and I think it's a lot about how you frame things, right? I mean, there's going to be things that you have to do and things that you have to kind of complete or classes that you might not be that excited about. But if you can go into your daily life and frame it around the things that, really bring you joy and are positive and focus on those things and reinforce those things. I think that's really important to your own mental health and how you approach the way you show up, because Mm -hmm. it's kind of a approach I've taken to the the new year. Instead of saying, I'm really doing well, but there's this is not so well focusing on the positive and just kind of embracing that.
2: Yeah, I love that you talked about focusing on the positive. I think I alluded to this in the article. One of the things that helped me get out of what I called the fog last year was I started a gratitude journal. And it is amazing what happens when you start writing down the good things that are happening in your life. There is a mental reset that happens Mm -hmm. because, again, I think it's very easy in life to say, yeah, I'm doing okay," But like you said, Brennan, I am up to two notebooks now and it hasn't even been like six months of things that I am grateful for. And so, again, that could be, if it works for some people, just a way to begin to do this work on yourself is to stop thinking about either what you don't have or what you wish you had, but really being grateful for the stuff you do have.
0: Yeah, I was part of a program here in Georgia called Leadership Georgia, where we got to go around the state and kind of understand how businesses run, the kind of sources of our economy. It included lawyers, doctors, business people, politicians, educators, as Great program. And one of the guys who spoke said something that's really stuck with me and Brennan and I have included in presentations in the book, which is this idea of like getting to do something versus having to do something and just reframing. Right. And so like tonight, for instance, I'm giving a presentation to a junior class of a high school and my son happens to have a game at the same time. So I'm going to miss the game because I have this obligation, but trying to switch that in my mind to say like, I get to talk to 500 kids tonight. And that's an amazing opportunity. And I need to just be focused on that. Yeah, exactly. On the college application side, I don't have to meet this deadline. I don't have to take this test. I don't have to write this essay. I get to do these things. And that's a position of opportunity and
2: privilege. One piece of advice I give to people around those difficult decisions that we all make, and I know Rick and Brennan, the three of us probably get tapped to do lots of speaking engagements and to volunteer for things and sit on boards, that I think it's important to always pause when that opportunity comes. At least that's where I'm getting to now that instead of just saying yes, I am practicing the delayed yes, which is let me think about that. <laughs> and from a perspective for students, I would say as you are either adding activities or deciding to take that extra course, like stop and ask yourself, what is my intention here? Because if you really pause and reflect on what is the intention, sometimes the intention is I just think everybody thinks I should do this. That's not a great intention, right? Because you you might be able to finally relieve yourself of the pressure. Of doing that. But I do think a lot of the mental health issues our young people, as well as our professionals, are facing today is that we say yes to too many things. And as a result, we are saying no to ourselves. Um, and so I hope the young people that are listening and families, as well as our colleagues, give themselves more permission to say no and to even back out of some things. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think since having some of my epiphanies the last year, I have written some people to whom I committed a year from now and I said, you know, I'm not going to be able to do that, but Mm -hmm. I'll help you find someone who does. Just trying to put myself first.
1: Well, we are grateful that both you're putting yourself first and that you said yes to us. (laughs) And, you know, as we wrap up earlier, you talked about NACAC and some of your work there. Are there programs, uh, resources, upcoming initiatives that you'd like to highlight for students, families, professionals out there?
2: Yeah, sure. I wanted to share a few things because I, I think, first of all, thank you for this podcast and the incredible service it's providing. And it may bring up some questions for people. Right, And so where do you go? And particularly students, you know, I wanted to remind students and families that they should certainly work with their counselors and seek support locally. There's lots of resources now around mental health. And so seeking out your local counselor is important. Here at NACAC, we actually have an ad hoc committee on mental health and equity in transition to college. Mm -hmm. And the recommendations are going to be coming out in the next several months. And so those will be posted on our website probably will be covered by the media. And so if you could stay tuned for that and stay in touch with NACAC, we'd love to share those with you. Also, I wanted to point out our colleagues at the American School Counselor Association. They have really great resources on their website around mental health and counseling. And then there's a website called schoolsafety.gov. So schoolsafety.gov. And they have these invaluable resources around mental federal initiatives that are trying to help students with mental health. And so, again, those are just a couple of things that I'd love for folks to think about. And if anything that we said today helps you to begin on your own journey, those are some of the places you can go. That's perfect. I will make sure those are included in the show notes.
0: Man, it's been a privilege and we really appreciate your time. I know that uh, as we mentioned at the top, you're struggling with your voice a little bit. <laughs> and and so thank you. We really appreciate it. No,
2: thank you. I wouldn't have missed it for the world. Thanks for the conversation. Absolutely. Thanks, Angel.
0: We really hope that you enjoyed today's conversation with Angel Perez, uh, the CEO of the National Association for College Admission Counseling and hope that you'll really take to heart and consider a lot of what he touched on and said there. We do wanna also thank our season one sponsor, Johns Hopkins Press, which provides global access and delivers impact through publishing and distributing innovative ideas and scholarship. Johns Hopkins Press connects people to the most trusted knowledge from global researchers, scholars, and educators. To learn more about their work and publications, go to press.jhu.edu. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll be back soon with another episode.